Mbawale for the win. Good! wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Pino gets the crossing. He's towards one World Championship medal. She is the greatest of all time. You just can't say it enough. Wow. Women's singles champion, Serena Williams. Large. Williams into Bird. In the corner. You bet. She's done it again. Sue Bird. You're listening to All In, a women's sports podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome in to All In, a women's sports podcast here at WFEV Sports. My name is Taylor Massette and I'm joined here by Maddie Bamonte and Sam Borer. Today we have a whole ton to talk about, about women's March Madness. So much has happened, the final four is set, but before we dive right in, Maddie, Sam, how are you guys doing today? The sun is shining, it is such a nice day out, and I have just been so happy lately, like, and to get to talk about March Madness with everybody. Maddie's just so excited to talk I'm about so Caitlin excited. Clark. She's so I'm happy. I'm so excited because I, like I said, I have been on the Iowa train, and so to talk about Caitlin Clark after she had a phenomenal game has been absolutely incredible, and it's been good basketball. Like, that's all you could ask for from this tournament, and they have just been delivering, and so I'm excited to continue watching and see who comes out on top because I have one of my my bracket picks still in the tournament ready to go for the championship so I'm rooting for them I'll talk about it later but I'm super excited to be here wow um I don't know how I can follow that up but um Maddie when you first said the sun is shining I wanted to go the tank is clean the tank is clean (laughs) because that's what it made me think of but I'm doing well. I'm happy that the sun is out because I, much like a little plant, need the sun to grow and thrive. And I feel like I'm growing and thriving now, now that I'm in the studio with two of my besties and the sun is out. And I'm also so excited to talk about some women's March Madness because this tournament has been electric. And, you know, after Caitlin Clark literally record-breaking um, history-making events that happened in her last game, I don't know, I'm just pumped to talk about it, mostly because... We also get to talk about how positive the reception has been from everyone online, which I think is pretty historic for women's basketball, especially. And we'll get more on that later. But, you know, I've been really thrilled with this season's March Madness. Well, I mean, I think we can just dive right into how we are all collectively obsessed with Caitlin Clark here at the Mm -hmm. station. Iowa takes down Louisville 97 to 83 to make their first women's final four since 1993. And Caitlin Clark, I I can't I can't get enough of this girl. She is absolutely incredible. She came into Iowa like as a high school senior like I want to bring Iowa back to the final four. And at first her coach was like, "What?" And now Caitlin Clark has done it with in historic fashion, 40-point triple-double. Let me, let me just read these stats to you guys. 41 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds against Louisville. That is not that, Louisville is one great team and Caitlin Clark puts up the first ever like 40 point triple double in March Madness men's and women's history and guys just give me some of your thoughts because I'm speechless Loki honestly seeing this game it has just been so crazy because it started off on like a whole different foot for for Iowa Louisville comes out they score the first eight Iowa has to call a timeout right off the bat 
And then it's Caitlin Clark's show for the rest of the game. She wakes up and she is like, she is just on it. And she like finished the first quarter with 15 points. And so she has just been the greatest playmaker, the greatest team um, mate for Iowa. And it it's what happened and led them to where they got. And, you know, Louisville put up a good game like they had and they tried to cut the deficit. But Clark was just so on the entire game. 12,000 fans at this game in person was absolutely crazy. And they just continued to deliver. And it just didn't matter. Clark and Iowa, man, they are just it was just like perfect to watch for them. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at, you know, the game flow of this game on ESPN, you can track when every point was scored throughout the course of the game. And, you know, it starts out and Louisville's up, obviously, a nothing. And then they call that timeout. You see a little bit of intertwining within the first quarter. And then it's just Iowa breaking away until, you know, partway uh, through the third when we have Louisville at 47, Iowa at 48. And then after that, Iowa just runs away with it. And, you know, we've all been huge Caitlin Clark fans this Caitlin Clark fans this entire year and have spoken about how she is one of the greatest to now ever do it in women's basketball um, and women's collegiate basketball. And this just solidifies it. And what I what I mentioned in the intro is something that someone had pointed out on my Twitter that I thought was so exciting is, you know, a lot of times we see the comments under ESPNW posts or ESPN posts about the women and it's all like, oh, well, like this guy did that. And blah, 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 blah. The reception for Caitlin Clark's triple-double in this game was so overwhelmingly positive. Every single person in every single comment section was like, she is a beast. She's one of the greatest female basketball players. She's one of the greatest basketball players. This is an absolute baller. And I was like, so true. Um, but I have to say, I have mad respect for Haley Van Lilith, too, on Louisville. She is a beast like none other. And she has spoken incredibly highly of Caitlin Clark. And they speak highly of each other, which I think is really beautiful, you know, in the game that they're both two of the best players right now. And they respect each other and they respect each other's gameplay, which is really all you can ask for. Yeah, I definitely want to shout out Haley Van Lilith for an- yet another incredible game in this tournament. She scored 27 points. But I think it was just all the Caitlin Clark show from the very beginning. I was watching the game. Like, I turn it on, I see um, they're down 8 nothing, And I'm like, oh, God. Like, I mean, I knew I was going to, like, catch up at some point. But I was like, is this going to – is Louisville going to, like, actually run away with this? I look away from my computer for maybe, like, a minute. And then I come back and I see that Caitlin Clark has scored seven points in maybe, like, 15 seconds. She's just such a baller. Like, I literally just cannot get over how incredible she really is. She hit eight of the Hawkeyes' season-high three-pointers. There was they. I think they hit, like, 16 of them, and she was she's accounted for half of them. She is just, like, a points machine. And I think Iowa, if she sticks around Iowa for another two years, I really, really hope, like, they can get that NCAA title. Like, she said she's considered it. I don't know, like, if that... Maybe the WNBA will tempt her away, but I can, I can definitely see her staying for like another year. I think she definitely will stay because personally, like I think this Iowa team is really good. But when I and we're going to talk about the rest of the final four uh, like matchups going forward. But the thing with Iowa is they do not have the best defense of the teams left by any means. They give up about 71 points a game. That's a lot for them. And they have just struggled defensively on a lot of cases because like Caitlin Clark can't do anything like all the time um McKenna Warnock is there Monica Cesano but these guys can't just be defending 24-7 they're just excellent shooters and great scorers but their defense just lacks to some degree and 
I will say that they had about 11 steals against Louisville, which is really impressive for them because they don't really average that high. But Iowa man has just been impressive for what they have done. I think she would definitely stay. Caitlin Clark would stay because I don't think this is the year for them to win it. So I think, and of course, they're going to prove me wrong once again, because every time I say that Iowa is not going to win, they win. So keep, keep saying they're not going to win. Yeah, I'm going to manifest it, Maddie. I'll, I'll manifest keep, it. I'll keep manifesting it. So <laughs> please, Iowa. they are winning my bracket, Maddie. I need I need it manifested. Taylor, they're not winning my bracket. So it doesn't. Maddie, you know what? I don't care. I need my bracket to win. I need my bracket to win. What about me, guys? <laughs> I still got my. Maddie, who's winning yours? You have South Carolina? I have South Carolina. I also bracket. have South Carolina winning my bracket. I went outside the box. You picked but UConn. No, who'd you pick? I picked Iowa. Oh, right. I didn't I pick. Think, I, I knew I, UConn wasn't making the Final Four this year, but. I think basketball just expert. defensively, Iowa is not there yet against South Carolina or LSU. And Virginia Tech has just been amazing. So I think it's something to keep in mind as we look forward to these next couple matches. But I think if it isn't their year, Caitlin Clark returns because she needs that title. And I think that would just cap off her career, collegiate career as an athlete. And she's talked about how much she loves playing in like Iowa Stadium. She Mm -hmm. loves, she adores her fans. Like every single time she hits a big shot or breaks another record, she's looking straight at the crowd and like, throwing her hands up it's just the coolest thing I'd ever seen like what a thunk about Iowa because right I just don't feel like when I look at like Iowa as like a state or anything that I'd be like yeah I'm <laughs> collegiate a, basketball collegiate basketball in Iowa that is where I want to be playing because usually you think of like a blue blood school like, yeah you want to go to like UNC or Duke or like Michigan or Michigan places. like big big schools Iowa putting themselves on the map, and I appreciate that, and they've really shown through because, man, they have such a good team that is just so impressive to me. They really do, and I mean, you know, she's been an absolute monster. I think that, in my mind, it's even if they win the championship this year, I feel like she comes back next year for her senior year, like, lest we forget she is still a student, and I mean, yeah, you don't really necessarily need to finish school if you're going to be like a WNBA star. But also, I mean, she is still a person and a student. She's only a junior. I think she comes back next year regardless. Does she take that grad year? Right now, my money's on no. I know she loves Iowa. I know that she, or that COVID year, rather. I know she loves Iowa. I know she loves playing there. But, like, she keeps playing the way she is. I mean, she's going to be, like, a first overall draft she's gonna pick. She's going to be the number one pick next year. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? Like, I feel like it's impossible to say that, oh, yeah, she's going to return um, as of right now. But... You never know, but yeah, they have a hard-fought battle ahead. Like you said, Maddie, their defense is not the greatest, and you know you can't just you know expect to score however many points a game. You can't just expect to score eighty something, ninety-seven, almost a hundred points every game because when you look at games like the Miami LSU game, I mean that was a fifty-four forty-two game. So you can't just be like, oh, we're gonna only score and score and score and score because other teams can score too. It's about the defense that maybe they don't have. But you know what? We doubted we doubted Iowa earlier this year, and we all were proven wrong. So. Well, I could talk about Caitlin Clark for the next, like, four hours, but I think we're going to move on to another name that definitely deserves some sh- a shout-out in this tournament, and it's Angel Reese with the mm-hmm. LSU Tigers. Mm-hmm. So LSU makes their first Final Four, and I think since 2007, but the game, they played against Miami, and I'm not going to lie, the offense on both sides of this game was just abysmal. It, it was, was it was really bad. So, so <laughs> bad. Like, Miami shot... for field goal, and then LSU was 30.2%. 
there was one three-pointer made in the entire game from LSU. That's like, crazy. Miami went 0-15, LSU 1-12. That's just bad. It's just bad. <laughs> Even Kim Mulkey was saying, like, after the game, she's, or, like, during the fourth quarter, she was yeah, I, I would turn this game off if I was watching on my TV. <laughs> That's but, crazy. Your coach <laughs> saying that is bananas. She, she was not happy. But anyway, the LSU Tigers <laughs> make it into the Final Four. It's been a massive goal for them like Kim Mulkey's been saying it was supposed to be a rebuilding year so and she was a little worried about like her team like kind of like putting way too big of a goals in the future but I mean they've just came overachieved and gotten they've gotten to the final four so it kind of paid off and Angel Reese has just been so much fun to watch this year Maddie what are your some of your thoughts about listen it? an ugly win is still a win at the end of the day a win is a win and a win is a win oh, and a win's so a win. A win. for LSU <laughs> to make this after you mentioned some of the the stats on how bad the shooting was, but I want to mention another stat here. They shot both teams shot one for twenty seven from three, and a nine point seven percent from outside the paint. <laughs> just like <laughs> tough. When you read that, you're like, I also agree with Kim, where you'd be like, I would not watch this game for anything. Like if and. It, the defense, what you have to look at now is the defense for LSU was just phenomenal. Um, I think what's important to highlight about LSU is there's another player that's also doing just as much as Angel Reese, and it's Alexis Morris. Yeah, 100%. She has been so reliable for them. Like, it, it, or honestly, like the sleeper pick to Angel Reese. She um, was the best player against Miami in the regionals with 22 points. Um, she was the one that scored the free throws against Utah. Um, she has been like a long time, um, mulky, um, like fan because she has played with her at Baylor. She came, she transfer four times. She transferred like, yeah, she went to Rutgers and Texas A&M oh my God. and now she's back with Kim Mulkey and it's going to be great. Um, I think what's really bad about this game going forward for LSU is how low scoring this game was. LSU has not scored over 70 points in the tournament at all in any single game. Mm. When you're going to play up against teams that are absolute, when, when Caitlin Clark can score 40 of those points (laughs) and you're not even breaking 70, that's a problem for you because one player is doing all your heavy lifting and you need to get your points when you can. And LSU just hasn't been there. But defensively, they were really on during that game. And it was very impressive because Miami just couldn't score at all. Yeah, I think that the the funniest stat for me is looking at both teams. You know, both teams barely broke a 30% field goal percentage, which I'm like, wow. For the Elite Eight of March Madness, that is a banana stat to have. I mean, you look at that. Something that is exciting, though, I guess, for both teams, you know, um, with defensive rebounds, both teams are pretty productive there with 27 for uh, Miami and 33 for LSU. But also, turnovers were a big problem this game. I mean, they had 12 total turnovers, um, LSU did, which is going to be a big problem going forward because if you're going to give your high-scoring opponents that chance to get the ball back in their hands and get those possessions off of those missed plays, that's going to be a big problem when, like Maddie said, you can't break 70 points and you're going to be going up against players who can break 40 on their own, whose teams are scoring quite literally double what you are. You know, you look at, obviously, you know, the Tigers aren't playing Iowa the next round, but you look at... LSU only scoring 54 points then you look at Iowa scoring 97 quite literally almost double and like you're gonna have to step it up there offensively defensively though that is their advantage is that they can hold teams to only 42 points teams that are usually pretty productive offensively but you have to be good at both to be able to be a March Madness champion and you know I think they can do it 
I'm a big fan of Angel Reese. I'm a big fan of Angel Reese's mom on oh Twitter as well. God. I don't know if anyone's seen her Twitter, but I highly recommend checking it out. Um, my favorite was her tweet where she was like, to all of the men proposing to my my uh, my daughter in the Twitter DMs, I am her mother. I am <laughs> not her. This is not her Twitter account. And it's so that funny. Is. But who wouldn't, who wouldn't propose to Angel Reese at this point? I mean, what a baller. Well, Angel Reese, too, is officially the SEC double-double queen. She just set the single-season so record. She notched 32 double-doubles and... This year, LSU's played 30 th- 35. That is just an insane stat for Reese. And I, I'm honestly so happy to see her playing so well. She's just such a likable personality. She's such an inspiration. Bye, you, Barbie. Um, so yeah. I just have a lot of fun like just watching her play. Everyone knows how big of a fan I am of Flaugier. But mm. I think I was like, I'm thinking this. If Iowa pulls off a miracle and takes down South Carolina and it's an LSU-Iowa final, Iowa's winning that game. Oh, yeah. Like, LSU just cannot hit a three. They just cannot. Like, I was saying that about some of the other games that they were playing earlier in the tournament. They were just missing, 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 and that is a huge problem for them. They need those extra points, and if they can't be – if they can't be – even if it's, like, just three or four more made threes, that's the difference of winning and losing a game. And if you're playing up against, like – and, hey, you know what? I'm not going to count on Virginia Tech, too. We're going to talk about them a little – but. LSU is going to be facing off again them, against them next. And if you look at Virginia Tech stats against Ohio State, they can score. They made eight of their free pointers. That's what's going to help them win the game. And LSU really needs to kind of catch up there. I agree. I think LSU, for what they are, just when they're off, they're really off. And I think Iowa can deal with that because Caitlin Clark is always on. She at least can lead that team to score. Whereas with LSU and Angel Reese, Angel Reese went cold and they had nothing happening. And it's just a consistency factor with them. I just don't think they'll be able to hold on as well as, like you said, Iowa could. Um, Or even South Carolina, I think, is a much more consistent team as a whole. So I think... It's just going to be really difficult for LSU to push forward after this. But, man, has it been fun to watch LSU this year and to see Kim Mulkey in all her outfits. Oh, to yes. See, oh, the fits. The, the fits, fits have been hitting different this year. To just see the energy from the team because the team is like a rallying cry around her and just what it means to the sport. And they have just been very exciting to watch, kind of getting themselves on the map. And, and I loved watching them. And But I think this is kind of the end of the road for them. I agree. You know, um, barring a miracle from the LSU team and we see it and barring a miracle from even Iowa I think that you know at least for LSU this is kind of where we see the end of their road like Maddie said and I mean it's been quite literally a record-breaking season I mean averaging almost a double-double per game like those are NBA level stats like that is what you know one Nikola Jokic MVP MVP is he averages triple doubles and double doubles every game that's an MVP level stat in the NBA let alone being a collegiate women's basketball player that is ridiculous so I mean you can't help but think of how great that is not only for the program and drawing more attention to them and to women's sports you know lest we forget their dance team went viral last year for their like a boy performance at nationals because you know their their team and the women's teams were not receiving the funding that the men's teams were you can't help but say wow what great work this year by that team by Kim Mulkey to not only publicize this team but to also make a run and say we're here we're here to be noticed and take us seriously and I think from now on people will have no choice but to take them seriously regardless of if it's you know a disappointing end to their uh, run this year. No, for sure. So I'll be rooting for LSU, but I think we have another SEC team that we really do need to quickly touch on, and it's South Carolina. I don't know if anyone can take this team down. They take down Maryland 86-75 to and just yet another like just onslaught. Like, they just look 
so ridiculously strong. They improved to a 36-0 and record, 40, 42 straight victories, dating back to last year's NCAA win. So now they're just two games away from taking it all again. Guys, do you think anyone can take the Gamecocks down? These are my dogs, and Aaliyah <laughs> Boston, Aaliyah Boston <laughs> is going to demolish anyone that stands in her way. I cannot wait to watch her and Caitlin Clark face off. That is going to be it's the gonna most be the gu- electric. Oh, it's going to be so good. I, I want to thank yeah. the gods for making a South Carolina-Iowa matchup possible. Even if Iowa gets demolished, and I really, really hope they don't, it's going to be probably the game to watch of the year. Oh, yeah. I was very excited to see them just all to play Maryland and to see them mm-hmm. go up against Diamond Miller is both her and Zia Cook. And man, what is there to say about South Carolina other than they are just like the hardest team to beat ever? <laughs> like five teams have come in single digits like to try and beat South Carolina. Only five the entire season. Every other time it's been a double digit win. They just are so good defensively. They lead the country in points allowed, opponents' field goal percentage, and block shots. They are just huge, too. Like, Caitlin Clark is only six foot, but Boston's six foot five. Cardoso is six foot seven. It's crazy. They are a tall team, and they are just so, like, consistent with them. They, they, to me, like, there's not much more I can say other than, like, if they're on, there's no team that's going to beat them in this tournament at all. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, they I've picked them to win my bracket. You know, we've talked about Aaliyah Boston, and I think that the fun in this matchup is we have two players going up against each other for um, who were both nominated or named at least on my my feeds for all being um, NCAA Women's Player of the Year candidates, and we get to see two of these competitors face off against each other, which is just so electric. The former and now probably the present. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, this is just like these are two of the biggest names in women's basketball. And so it's awesome to see them. But, you know, South Carolina is just unreal when you watch them on the court. You know, not only are they powerful behind, you know, Boston and Zia Cook, Aaliyah Boston has 82 career um, double-doubles. Um, as of their last win over Maryland, which is not exactly, you know, like a wimpy stat there, to say the least. She had 22 points and 10 rebounds. Zia Cook had 18 points and 8 rebounds. She almost had a double-double. They're going to need more from them there in that game. But, you know, their team has such strong defense. They're able to be such a cohesive unit that I think that is their strength, is that they know what to do. They know who plays what role, how to fill each role, and they do it so well that I think that trying to take down South Carolina for anyone is going to be a problem. If anyone could do it, it's going to be Iowa and Caitlin Clark. But this is going to be one of the matchups of the year, if not of the last many years for basketball. I just want to mention like one of the funniest videos I've ever seen that came out of this game. Camilla Cardozo plays for South Carolina and she's just like standing there dealing with a Maryland defenseman (laughs) just like in her face. She moves her arm a little bit to the right and the player just falls on her back and just lays on the floor. And Camille just looks over and just stares down at her. And then one of the Maryland players, like, in the corner just starts, just bursts out <laughs> laughing. And I think that just kind of represents South Carolina and the entire rest of the NCAA right now. Like, I really just don't know what other team, except for maybe Iowa in this Final Four, that holds a candle to how talented this South Carolina roster is. Like, I think it's honestly, like, 
on par with the WNBA. They are just absolutely incredible. I cannot wait to watch Alea Boston go off. Um, we have one more game we want to touch on, and it's Virginia Tech making their first Final Four in school history, and they win 84-74 to over Ohio State, which made my heart happy because I'm very angry with Ohio State once again <laughs> when we talk about UConn. But, yeah, just just an incredible season overall for Virginia Tech. I feel like compared to the Iowas and the LSUs, they've kind of, like, fallen behind on all that media attention. I feel like you're not really hearing as much about them, but just really so – just an inspiring story for them. Like, they win ACCs for the first time this year. Now they made the Final Four – What's next for Virginia Tech? So the game itself was very interesting to me because it was a game I was like, when I looked at the matchups, I was like, ah, I'm not going to watch this. I don't, I don't care that much, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, hey, don't disrespect the Hokies. Well, now I won't. <laughs> but the Hokies are not my favorite the Hokies, ACC Yeah, team. the Hokies are not exactly, you know, on think, my, <laughs> on my, on my <laughs> watch list. I think the Hokies uh, messed up my perfect Final Four for the bracket. I got to really? check that. Yeah. I don't even remember who I have in it. <laughs> but... What was so crazy about the game is Ohio State was like known for their full court press. They were in- incredibly good at it, and that's how they beat UConn. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. That's how they beat UConn. <laughs> but it was. Secret. But it was really like exploited by Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is so strategic and like very smart with their gameplay, and I just think that like they are an under the radar kind of team in the Final Four where. You know, their star, Elizabeth Kitley, had 25 points, 12 rebounds. Um, Georgia Amore had 24 points. Their six straight games um, scoring 20 or more points. It's crazy. And now they're going to play LSU. And to be honest with you, I think the Hokies could really take this game. Because of all the reasons we mentioned about LSU's um, problems on, like, offense um, and certain defensive problems, I think that this could really be a game for Virginia Tech to show them what's up and make it to the championship. I think, honestly, Virginia Tech beating all those blue bloods in the ACC was really good for them. And I just feel like they shouldn't be slept on because they're they're here. They took down Chattanooga. They took down South Dakota and Tennessee. Tennessee was mm-hmm. a, That's a, very, a very strong team to face off against them. And their first ever ACC championship, if they're going to do it, it's this year. Because when you have that kind of momentum going into your tournament, there's nothing that can stop you. I absolutely agree with that. I think that, you know, at this point, first of all, what a historic season that would be, you know, to make Final Four for the first time, make the championship for the first time, and then, you know, perhaps win for the first time, like... Now, that is quite a story. You know, obviously not exactly a Cinderella story considering they're literally the number one seed. But what an amazing storyline that is for that school and what good that does for the culture of basketball at that school as well. You can only imagine something like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. You you see how well, like, doing better than you've ever done in a season before in recent memory, even at Fordham. We see how well, like, how much that changed the culture here. Imagine what that would do at Virginia Tech. So I think that's really exciting. But I think that they do have a chance to win here. I mean, like you said, Elizabeth Kelly is nothing to be messed with. They are scoring well. They're shooting almost 50% in their field goal percentage, 8 for 26, three-pointers, which is a 30% field uh, three-pointer percentage, 24 for 28 in free throws. I mean, like, these are not stats to be ignored here. This is a very well-rounded team, very well-rounded in their offense and their defense. And look, if they can score like that, that's what matters. These these games are being more and more high scoring with just the way that basketball is becoming more and more of an offensive battle and just these high scoring games, even when we're not in the WNBA. And so, you know, I think that 
they have a shot. And with this kind of momentum, this kind of energy that has been rallied behind them, I think they could kind of, you know, sneak up on everyone from behind and, and do it because they're not a team that I paid any attention to in this tournament, but now I know their name and now I'm ready to pay attention. No, yeah, and if LSU plays another game like they did against Miami, Virginia Tech is 110% going to win that game. Yeah. But I just, I, I have to say, this is a very interesting Final Four this year. Like, normally you're so used to the Yukons and the Notre Dames. I think the only mainstay in the Final Four this year is South Carolina. Like, we didn't see Iowa even make the Elite Eight last year. LSU same thing so it's like a bunch of very new teams we might who knows we might see a new like a new crowned team this year which I think is very exciting but it also pains me because (laughs) because of your UConn yeah okay UConn Huskies loyalty I think the U I think UConn gave me depression this year like I they just their final four elite eight streak ends Thanks to the single worst school in America. Yeah. This pa- Maddie, way. stop mimicking me. <laughs> I, I just have to say, I'm a Michigan fan and a UConn fan. So for Ohio State to be the one to take down UConn and break that streak, that just pains me to no end. I, guys, I, I need first thought. I don't even know what I can even say here. I'm just really upset. My first thought is you're so funny. And my first thought is how many, how many more teams name. are you going to list? Yeah, my first thought is how many more teams are you going to list? We we love Taylor here, but Taylor I has consider- a problem picking a favorite team. Besides UConn, I will say Taylor's been a UConn girly since the beginning, but she's also a Michigan girly. She's hey, also hey, I. Hey, we love you. You just love to see people you happy. You just love the sport. I love, love the sports. Sport. I like picking a team that I like in a game, and everyone makes fun of me about it. No. And it makes me sad. It but, is sad that you know And you know what? I'm already broken. sad because they lost tw- by 12 points to Ohio State, which just makes me... <sighs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this back on track here, but... <laughs> 73 to 61 UConn doesn't even make the Elite Eight. It's just been a really disappointing year for them with injuries and illnesses and... Um, Coach Gino lost his mom midway through the season, had mm-hmm. to miss a couple games. AZ Fudd dealing with knee knee injury after knee injury. No Paige Beckers, no Ice Brady. It's just been an absolute disaster. But, I mean, I, the fact that they can still make the Sweet 16, even with not like a fully healthy roster, says a lot about this team and how much they believe in themselves. Man, oh man, they played bad in this game. 25 turnovers. I won't, like, I was just watching. I had to turn the game off because I was just getting upset. It, I, they couldn't handle. We were talking about how Virginia Tech was able to handle Ohio State's press. UConn cracked onto the press almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that on one-on-one last weekend. If Ohio State applied the pressure to UConn, they were winning that game. And unfortunately, that came to fruition. And it's just really really disappointing like end to these streaks and I'm just sad yeah it was a hodgepodge season for UConn where they really had to try and adapt with what they had but it just honestly it wasn't their year when you're missing some of these crucial players like Paige Beckers it you you really have to try and reset and I don't think they were able to in, in the proper way um they it it's just really unfortunate for them because they're always such a phenomenal school to watch and their their chemistry is great on the court and they're very talented but simply wasn't their year injuries were too serious and that shows like when like a lot of your team is injured this is what happens and you can't ask for everything yeah I mean you kind of said what I was thinking Tay where it's like I mean how how much does that speak to your squad and to your coaching ability to make it this far in the tournament without some of your stars but yeah unfortunately just not their year 
tough look, tough way to end the season. But I think a lot of it was out of their control. You know, if they had Paige Beckers, if they had full as he her full potential, maybe this wouldn't have been the outcome. And, you know, I guess we'll never know. But there's always next year and we'll, we'll have to see. But for now, you know, just a tough end to the UConn Huskies. But at least they still have a super cute mascot. I'm just going to wrap up this segment with saying how long each streak was. 16 straight Elite Eight appearances. Yawn. 14 straight Final Fours. Why don't I get to do this about my favorite teams? What's up with that? You know, <laughs> Sam, you don't want to feel this pain, but, you know, I will give credit where credit's due. Ohio State did make its first Elite Eight in 30 years. It's a shame that they got manhandled by Virginia Tech. Anyway, final segment. We're just going to give a quick prediction of how we think the Final Four is going to go down. So, guys, USC versus Iowa, I think I know what you two are about to say. I'll make it quick. I'll make it snappy. It's my girls in USC. It's my my dogs down south, <laughs> back in, in South Carolina, my neighbors to the south. They're going to do this one because they, <laughs> they're they winning my bracket. They're so good all year. Nothing else to say. USC. Uh, for my bracket winning purposes, I also got to say USC. For for crazy storyline upset purposes, I wa. Uh, but I do think that they're gonna get manhandled by uh US or woman handled rather by uh <laughs> by USC. I think that I think it's gonna be South Carolina all the way. If Iowa loses, I think I'm just gonna lock myself into my room for a couple days because we'll miss you. Yeah, miss I'm you. sure you will, but. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of taking like a similar approach to Sam. I always I've said this like four or five times already this tournament. My heart is saying Iowa. I want Iowa. But my head knows it's going to be USC. But I mean, who knows what happens? Um, And then for the next matchup, LSU versus Virginia Tech. I think we both we can all kind of agree if, if LSU plays a bad offensive game again, they're going down. I think Virginia Tech's just a little too impressive. I think they're the sleeper team and I think they're going to go to the championship and then lose to USC. So my bracket can win. <laughs> yeah, go Hokies. My uh, <laughs> my sad. I love Kim Mulkey's outfits, though, so I'm really sad I won't be using because I bet her final outfit. I bet her championship outfit would be so electric because she just has the best Oh, God, I want to be her when I grow up in her closet. Um, but, yeah, you know, go Hokies. It's going to be it's gonna be Virginia Tech versus USC in the final. And then USC is probably going to win. And that'll be crazy. But you never know at this rate. And March Madness is March Madness for a reason. Emphasis on the madness. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And you know what? I'm going to step outside the box and say LSU is going to win. Because if they play a good game, I think they've got the size. They've got the confidence. And I think if they get off on the right foot, I feel like they cannot. I don't want to say blow out of the water because I think it's going to be a pretty close game. But I feel like they are, they are so motivated right now. I think they're going to fight to get into that top two spot. And if, if it's what I think is going to happen, USC versus LSU, that's going to be such a good final. That Both of those teams know each other like the, on the back of their hand. They play against each other all the time in the SEC. So mm. we'll see what happens. Mm. Well... That's going to wrap up All In today, the women's sports podcast from WFEV Sports. Hope, thank you guys for listening. It's been me, Taylor Massetto, with Maddie Bamonte and Sam Boris saying so long from the Bronx.